right, hello and welcome listeners to the first episode, the initial episode, the inaugural episode of Anatomical Precision, a Guild Ball podcast. I am your host for the evening, Michael Klein, also known in some of the Guild Ball circles as Mike the Dog Klein, and I'm here with... Uh, Jared McGraw from uh, Central Virginia, um, quite traveled. You've probably seen me in the and heard once or and twice. heard your name on uh, many a podcast <laughs> as the most beloved man in Go Ball, um, at least from America. America, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and I'm uh, Chris Schlegel. I've also traveled to a decent number of uh, tournaments, but I'm probably one of the lesser qualified people. I haven't qualified for a major tournament other than the Adepticon Finals. But I mostly play a fish. Excellent. Oh, that's good. Teams that we play. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, sh- I probably should have mentioned. I'm oh, sorry to interrupt you. It's all professionalism here, but I am an avid morticians player. So if anybody truly loves me, you could get on Union and Chain. Aren't you guys like winning like vet seventy-five percent? Yeah, oh, is it? <laughs> I think it's. Close. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> No, no, I think it's like neck and neck. Ooh, I think it's like I, I want, 49, so, you know. And even if you don't like <laughs> I, it, I want that more anyway, so. Hemlock. I mean, I'm, I'm down with it. She looks creepy, which is awesome. Yeah. So, nice. All right. Well, yeah. so for our first episode, we wanted to start off with a little bit more. We did our initial introductions, but we want to start off with a little bit of uh, who we are, where we come from, little introductions to gaming, to Guild Ball, etc., and why we are worth listening to or where you know what our experiences that makes us have interesting perspectives on the games or or so we like to think so if we could start off maybe uh jared do you want to give us a little bit more of a detail description of how you got into gaming into guild ball more specifically and your experience yeah, um, I don't have a lot of tabletop wargaming experience. I come from a Euro game, uh, board game kind of background. Um, I was introduced to Guild Ball through Gen Con and um, just kind of took off from there. Uh, I own every team <laughs> that's in existence and some multiple because I'm trying to work on some of my painting skills. I'm getting a little bit more into the hobby aspect. Um, I truly love competitive play. I love to travel, love to meet different metas, uh, play on Vassal a lot, uh, which I recommend as a tool for anyone that's trying to learn the game or, uh, you know, if you want to learn a new model or, you know, different gambits for your turn one activations, uh, I find it to be an extremely useful tool. Um, for me, um, I'm all about WTC. It was a, it was a great experience. Um, I love the team aspect of it. I'm more of an individual, super competitive person, so I had a really good time with that. And um, I, I kind of wanted to get on a Guild Ball podcast to, you know, kind of spread some positive vibes and maybe talk a little bit about different strategies, whether they're popular or not. And, uh, you know, maybe give people an idea of some of the things I see uh, when it comes to playing people from all over the world through Vassal. Uh, so, you know, I'd like to maybe just offer some tips and just talk about different things through that. Excellent. So, Jared bringing it. us the podcast of positivity, uh, which is which is great. <laughs> great to hear. Um, also, Jared, I don't know if I may have missed this in your mentioning, but you have, beyond the traveling, uh, a little bit more specifically, I know you have, uh, you did quite well, not only at the WTC. Um, what, what place did your mm-hmm. team come in? I forget which U.S. team you were. Yeah. Um, my team uh, finished four wins and one mm-hmm. loss. Uh, we lost to England one, which was a matchup I was super pumped for because I got to play my buddy 
Stephen Easton, who I play on Vassal all the time. We're sparring partners. Nice. And I uh, probably talked trash for at least 10 minutes before the round started. <laughs> so I think I had everyone nervous. <laughs> but it was, it was kind of like a uh, uh, good sportsmanship type thing. It wasn't like uh, strictly trash talking. I just yeah, kind of yeah. wanted to uh, set, set the mood. Um, and then, you know, uh, I did travel to Adepticon and uh, made the uh, final qualifier there, getting beat by Jordan, which, you know, I'm probably a number of people that have had that happen before. Um, you know, and if, uh, I love to play morticians uh, to a fault, maybe. Um, they're probably not considered the strongest in the meta, but I really enjoy the control aspect that they bring to the game and um, continuing to stick with them so far. Yeah, so. and you've also, I mean, let's let's not even sell yourself through. You've got a couple other ones more than Adepticon. you got Nova. You were in the uh, Invitational yeah. for Nova for the regional, and uh, yeah. as well as yeah, you've I been mean, at b basically all the tournaments. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I, yeah, I go to the Spring Fling. Um, you know, I'm in uh, Central Virginia, so to make it to the D.C. area is uh, only a couple hours for me. And I've won some pretty significant tournaments in Maryland and D.C. It just seems like any time I travel out west, I run into a problem. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure other people in Gilball know what that is, Chicago land or whatever. <laughs> uh, but love those guys, love hanging out with them. It's always a good time. And, um, you know, like I mentioned before, I'm a super competitive person, so I'm not... Um, type of person that would back down from a challenge and uh, you know I just really enjoy the community um, especially when it comes to maybe some of the mid to top tier play and uh, some of the professionalism I've seen out there just I'm just a big fan excellent so. excellent and you wouldn't expect it coming from a guy as as uh, pleasant and you know soft-spoken as you come off at <laughs> yeah 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 no, I can be. I've had my moments. I'm sure. Me, I'm sure. Maybe I was. Yeah. And I think we've all been there. But um, you know, the thing I look at, especially coming from maybe a sports background, where uh, you know, where I played a lot of soccer and um, played different uh, sports um, on a competitive level, is um, you know, I kind of learned that ultimately it comes down to having a good time. Um, you know, making friends and then. You know, hopefully you can run into that person again and see what happens the next time around. Um, so I'm always happy to run into some of the better players like Alex Botts or Stephen Easton or some of these guys, uh, even Jordan Ock or, you know, even the up-and-comers. Um, I'm always, I don't really get too nervous about playing people and I just want to kind of see how I measure up and, you know, try again next time if it doesn't work out my way. So, totally okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. All right, Chris. All right, uh, yeah, I'm Chris Schlegel. I mostly play fish. I had a short flirting with uh, brewers that may come back uh, and also looking forward to farmers. I'm from the Cincinnati area, which hasn't had any major tournaments, but it's located conveniently five hours from two of the larger uh metas with the east coast and the uh chicago meta so i've gotten out to adepticon um bourbon trail open both years so far placed third in that uh this year uh but that was partially due to tie breaks uh being the old system and so I'm not trying to toot a horn there <laughs> it went four and one probably towards the bottom um and then I've also been to the Spring Fling, Fall Brawl, and uh, that's most of the major ones. Excellent. All right, and you've done pretty well yourself, as as you yeah, mentioned. Yeah. 
Yes, Spring Fling 4 and 2, uh, Bourbon Trail 4 1. So, decent. Adepticon Finals only 2 and 2. That was rough. Oh, <laughs> oh. it's okay. It, it happens. I'm still. My uh, my Longshanks ranking is still haunted by the time I uh, played Masons back at Capticon like a, for a for fun tournament and like took it not seriously <laughs> at all and went one and three. Um, <laughs> it's still it's still suffering so bad. And then like and then it also I, that same weekend I also played Brewers in a Brewers Cup Invitational like drinking tournament and dropped out after winning my first game all in one. So so that was uh, that's yeah. okay. Um, awesome. And then as for myself, uh, I have been playing Guild Ball for since two Captain Cons ago, I believe. So that's like two and a half, a little over two and a half years. Um, I consider myself a big fish in a small pond. The Northeast meta is, uh, Great. I think it's actually really great, but it is somewhat isolated, especially uh, I can talk at length about this, uh, but New York and the like metro area is just like a gaming uh, hellhole in terms of like getting people together. Just the fact that it takes like me an hour to get uh, most days after work to get to my local gaming club, even though it's only 10 miles away from my house. <laughs> Um, and then on top of that, I mean, we have like Long Island, which, you know, it takes those guys like two hours to travel anywhere other than Long Island. And, you know, nobody wants to cross bridges and there's traffic. Yeah. Uh, I also travel out West, uh, a decent amount of times in like Albuquerque, one city. And I like think of the difference between traveling from Albuquerque to the other side of like, Albuquerque or like into the mountains versus traveling from one part of New York to another part. And it's like literally 20 minutes there compared to like two hours here. So um, anyway, with that, I do a bunch of traveling to get in my games. Uh, I basically play, I'd say I play like 60% of my games at tournaments just because my gaming time is somewhat limited and I try to like put it all into one day. So I travel uh, anywhere from Long Island, New Jersey, Massachusetts, um, Connecticut, New York, all the way down to Baltimore, Virginia, Philly, etc. I'm kind of in all of those. Uh, and we're going to stop this right now because my dog is going insane over in the other room. Yeah. I Professionalism. I, I, I think it's because you called your meta hellhole. You know, know what it was is she, yeah. she took dropped a the, Oh, she, my bad. She dropped the ball in front of me and I threw it into the other room and I'm pretty yeah. sure it not I'm far pretty enough. sure it landed somewhere where she can't get it. So I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have oh dear God. I'm gonna have Jared and Chris uh, go ahead and waffle for a minute while I go figure out what's going on with her. <laughs> so let's see upcoming events. I don't know. Yeah, we've got. Um, I'm pretty excited about Bills, um, and he, he you know him from Gilball tonight. He's got a Veterans Day event on November 11th. I'm pretty excited about that. I think it's going to be a good opportunity for me to try some of my new mortician's tech uh, that I've been practicing nonstop. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I mean, you got any big plans for that tournament? Uh, I'm working on traveling out to the Veterans Day uh, thing. I've got to really work on figuring out how I'm going to get there, but it's likely just going to be a good solid six hour drive. And I think, mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm, I've been... I've been messing around with Angel ever since I posted that article about uh, where I complained about oh, her for great. a solid, like, you know, entry-level college essay. <laughs> and um, so I might give her a shot again, but uh, then there's also the chance that I try out some, continue with my flirting with the brewers and take them and new our new toy Lucky here. Oh yeah, he's he's pretty sweet. Um, especially how he can finish off a game with his free dodge. Um, I kind of look at him as a like a vet catalyst type model, where you probably want to utilize the dodge maybe to score your last four points, or you know try to take advantage of a takeout. Um, I think he's a lot of risk reward, but maybe more reward if you choose the right time to utilize uh, some of his special skills. Yeah, yeah definitely. All right. Um, who is who is this we're talking? I'm back. Are you back. Back after. Yeah, no more, no more meta hellhole talk. I think that totally <laughs> threw your threw dog off. off. It got her triggered. She, she was, she was like, "What are you talking about?" Uh, less of a meta hell. No, the people in my meta are, are great. It's just the, it's like the, it's more of you. the like frequency of people being able to play. Uh, it's not a, uh, you know, it's it's more difficult. Anyway, with that, I've traveled a bunch. I've played in a bunch of tournaments. I usually do really well until the final, and then. Or final rounds and then choke um yeah. that's pretty much what i'm known for um or at least i think that's what i'm known for so uh yeah like always the bridesmaid that's that's me well, i was having a discussion with my friend tobias and he's a well-known engineer player uh, from mm -hmm. australia and we were talking about how he had his australian nationals he lost to the finals to the peter um can't remember his last name i think williamson maybe mm -hmm. uh, and he was playing engineers and the hunters and he made a crucial mistake where he didn't really utilize the clock um and he kind of let peter well from his own words kind of let him back into the game and uh, made a match out of it and he and i were talking about you know sometimes i feel like i would rather go ahead and have a tough loss like that because it kind of help, helps me stay focused and driven mm -hmm. uh, to where you know maybe if i qualified for the national tournament in america a couple months ago i might not quite have that uh, you know, that trigger of wanting to succeed mm -hmm. and continue to stay motivated and maybe come somewhat complacent. Uh, so he and I were just kind of having that conversation about how sometimes when you take a loss like that, if you can kind of turn it to a positive where you kind of focus on the fact of, okay, I made these mistakes, um, you know, maybe I should kind of look at the way I play the game. Um, I think it makes you a better player in the long run. I don't know how you feel no, about I that. I agree but. totally. I learn a lot from those games, probably more from those than from uh, any other ones, definitely. Yeah, and definitely. Oh, sure. Go I'm for it. I look forward to every, uh, every big tournament to uh, going into the later rounds and getting my ass beat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, the good news is, like, the Bourbon Trail Open, at least there's alcohol right, involved. Right. And, uh, I mean, I'm not much of a drinker, but, you know, when Jordan waxed me 12-2 in the finals, I definitely uh, took advantage of some of the menu. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I totally know where you're coming from there. Nice. All right. Well, so that's a that's an introduction of us. Hopefully, we will. I guess kind of transferring us into like the focus of the podcast and the ethos of our podcast here, and what we want to achieve, and why 
why like why this recording why now is um kind of jared already started on on talking about this but we're you know we're all here and all of us are interested in the more competitive strategy aspects of the game uh, and we wanted to have a space where we could focus on those and really um discuss those competitive aspects of the games that sometimes get um i've seen at least in some of the media uh, particularly like youtube videos and stuff it's it's great and i think there's a great space for podcasts and videos and stuff that talk to beginners and teach you how to play and teach you know like show what things do and make it fun and entertaining i also think there's some really great space for more in-depth discussion on like what does it mean to be a competitive player in guild ball what does that look like what are the different aspects of guild ball like the meta the u.s meta etc and also just like being competitive and being like involved in strategy uh in general so no promises that we will stay as focused as that despite our namesake um we will be (laughs) conversational podcast of course but uh, that that's where we're we're heading with this and hopefully that is something that uh people are interested in so yeah and to kind of build on your point of view uh, i kind of view it as the same way and i feel like it's an exciting time for gilball and the fact that they've kind of transitioned to this lower price point and maybe um kind of catering a little bit more towards maybe like a board game community trying to have some of those people transition to tabletop and i'd like to see them go from beginners to intermediates to either even the competitive scene and be totally comfortable you know showing up to a tournament and kind of understanding what the whole experience is about and maybe have a game plan on how to develop yourself into an intermediate to um, competitive player. And I, I think it could only help the community in the aspect that I love and the, the fact that I'm willing to travel all over the world now to play a damn game of Gilball when I could just go up the street and play it at the local store. Yeah, or yeah. on your computer. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fostering the growth of newer and intermediate players would definitely be beneficial to the meta as a whole like mm-hmm. global meta national meta, whatever you're talking about because um, I mean as we discussed earlier you're in the final rounds and you're getting your ass beat you know mm-hmm. that teaches you how to get good so. <laughs> how to yeah, get man. good exactly that's what we need you don't have a mm-hmm. choice right you gotta yeah. get it so all right so with that, uh, I'm going to transfer up to our kind of one uh, main topic for this evening, which is kind of, uh, which we'll be quite brief on uh, for now, but basically wanted to bring, highlight some upcoming events and not just the events and the details of them, but also rather um, kind of how we are, because several of us, at, well, all of us are going to at least several of these events. Um, so kind of how we're prepping, what are our thought processes going into them, if we are preparing, practicing, etc. cetera, uh, kind of just get an overview of that. So the events that I have that are coming up that w- I would consider potentially more regional events uh, that we will be attending or some of us will be attending are the Veterans Day uh, Guild Ball Tournament hosted by... Uh, Guild Ball tonight's very own Bill Anderson, William Anderson. Um, also, and that it takes place on November 11th at uh, Huzzah Hobbies. And right now, there's definitely uh, you know the turnout is initially a little bit less than expected. This is a tournament is basically replacing the fall ball, at least for this year. Um, 
talking to Bill, he didn't really have the time, like the, he didn't have the opportunity and time to put together the fall ball in the same way that it was. So he decided to do this kind of fall tournament as uh, a somewhat similar, um, but not, you know, exactly the same uh, style of event. So hopefully we definitely have, I know we have uh, Jared and myself going and I believe Chris is uh, likely to go as well, but hopefully um, we can get out some more waves for this and get some additional people from the northeast and the east coast and the somewhat more central eastern side to uh, get traveling out to this. Should be a good event. Bill we'll always uh, go for it. I'll also I'll I'll be go- trying to go my best. Um, I may even be able to scoop up one of my friends from the Cincinnati Columbus area on my way there. So. Hopefully that works out. Nice. I will be. Numbers. <laughs> I will be doing my best to uh, force the Liberty Go Ball guys to either go down or I will come to their houses um, on my way down and <laughs> like kidnap them. So yeah. Um, additionally, so there's that event. There's also uh, the next weekend PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia, which will be having Go Ball, which is pretty exciting. Um, I am planning on going to that. Um, funny enough, I had actually. I might try to yeah, make it. Um, no, no, it's all good. I'm, go. I'm trying to figure out. I was asking whether I needed a badge or not, and now that I do, I might just go ahead and order one and uh, just get a hotel and drive it. It's about five hours for me, but I think I can manage nice. that. One. Yeah, I. Uh, so. That fortunately falls on a weekend that my fiance is uh, in traveling back home so i was originally planning to do like a marathon guild ball invite somebody uh one of the invite somebody over a good player from up in the massachusetts area ian feet and we were gonna um just like marathon out some guild ball but as much as that would be fun i also do like going to conventions and like traveling and you know getting to meet a wide range of people so yeah, so I'll be there mo- uh, almost certainly. And then after that, we have SteamCon USA, which all three of us will be attending. Um, you know, maybe one day uh, before SteamCon, they will actually release the details. Um, but for now, we <laughs> are excited to go there and do Gilball stuff all weekend. So, Yeah, and one thing I wanted to mention about Bill's event. Yeah, go for and, it. Um, it's in Ashburn, Virginia, if you're not uh, extremely familiar. But um, he always is a great host, and he has great prize support, and he's super passionate about the game. And to me, it's a, it's a great venue um, to attend, especially if you're like one of those intermediate or you're one of these people that may not be uh, super comfortable with the tournament scene. Um, there's a lot of nice people there. Uh, the store's super nice. Uh, they did an expansion uh, last year, so they really opened it up. Um, the tables are like you know, waist high where you're not hunched over the whole time. You got plenty of space. And um, to me, it's one of the better venues that I had been to, uh, maybe besides the Bourbon Trail Open where alcohol was involved. Uh, but totally, totally a good event. So I would recommend it for anybody that could make yeah, it. Yeah, and if you don't know, Ashburn has a really cool little, uh, like, outdoor mall type area with, like, a, a movie theater and a bunch of restaurants and bars and whatnot. Um, and I think it's been at this point pretty obligatory, at least at any bill event that I've gone to, where go out for a nice good burger and beer afterwards. So, uh, you know, that definitely, definitely makes it a more attractive thing for me. 
Yeah, and it's, if, it's like two minutes off the road, so by the time your tears dry, you're totally cool. Uh, <laughs> grab a beer or whatever. You know? Exactly. <laughs> I, I speak from experience. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you even grab two burgers and you eat those two burgers. <laughs> Uh, like exactly. Richard Pacifico did on the first fall brawl, he ate those two burgers before any of us were even done with like our fries. So this was this. By the way, That's this impressive. is by the way after he had literally, I had watched him in the last round, literally fell asleep at the gaming table. <laughs> <laughs> like he put his head down for a second during his opponent's activation, and I'm like looking over at him, and his opponent was didn't notice, and I'm like, Rich, wake up. Like you're sleeping. <laughs> he didn't do that well. He didn't yeah, do that well. If you pass out, it's probably best to like strategically put yourself near the clock for there's at least a fifty percent chance you'll hit the button yeah. on your side. <laughs> at least you could take advantage of clock as you pass out and draw yeah, on the table. There you <laughs> go. Exactly. Get a little power nap in. Um, yeah, so that's gonna be a great event. Packs will be good. Steam con, if you don't already have tickets, it might be difficult. Um but it's going to be a great event, and a lot of people seem like they're going. And then lastly, a little further out, um, I am not 100% committed on this quite yet because uh, while I am free that weekend, potentially, it does fall very, very close to my fiance's birthday, which uh, I didn't mention uh, when Jared first asked me. But the ATC uh, in January... Uh, is also happening, and the ATC stands for the America Team Championship. If you're not familiar with the War Machine scene, but it's a traditionally has been a War Machine tournament um, in the World Team Championship or WTC style, um, three-player teams for Gilball. So they have Gilball this year, which is pretty exciting. I think that's going to be a really cool uh, thing because the team format just seems like so much fun. Oh, no, it's awesome. And it's located in Wisconsin, if you're not familiar. And if you are interested in the WTC uh, for the USA next year, to me, it would be a great opportunity to audition yourself to see what the format is like, um, see if you can deal with the fact that it is more team-related. And um, an interesting aspect that I had uh, during my WTC experience is if I did lose a game, I always knew that my teammates could pick me up. And if you win those two out of three, it's not the end of the world. But the odd thing is, as you're playing, you're kind of eyeballing your buddy to the left and right and seeing how they're doing. <laughs> so it's like, maybe I need to set my game up a little bit because he's got that look in his eye like he's barely making it. So, uh, But it's definitely a, a good experience. And I think if you were interested in doing the WTC, to me, it's a no-brainer. Um, in January, uh, try to make it there and uh, get a team in as soon as possible because I, I think it's limited to eight teams, maybe. So excellent. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, uh, how are we prepping for these things? If you, not one in particular, but just I guess in general, how have you guys been um, prepping? Have you been prepping? Have you been thinking about it, playing, etc.? What have you been working on? Hey. I'll let Chris go all right, first. All right. <laughs> go, buddy. <laughs> I have, uh, I've been messing around with trying to make Angel work, uh, even though that's really not working. Um, but I'm also working on some stupid uh, Lucky Tech. I like to call it Lucky Yo-Yo. And he's, uh, I'm basically trying to kick off with Lucky and jump into the enemy lines, kill a guy, and then raise the stakes and get the hell out of there. 
So it'll be either Brewers or Fishermen for both events and probably all foreseeable events until Thresher comes out. <laughs> yeah, everybody jumping on the Thresher bandwagon. It's not a crutch. I don't... uh awesome so you've been so you've been in the in the in the tank of awesome hot strats uh as it were with your with your lucky yeah otherwise i'm actually just doing the same thing i've always done which is just playing regular old matches and seeing what happens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um any particular leanings on why you would pick uh, Brewers versus Fish, given the meta, given right. your skill, etc.? Oh, um, well, uh, after I played uh, Brewers pretty much all during spring, uh, won a regional qualifier and mm-hmm. um, went to the spring fling with them, that really, like, made my fish play a lot slower. So I feel like I'm not as aggressive as I used to be with fish. So if I'm not feeling like I need to, like I'm as aggressive as I need to be, I will probably go with brewers. Okay. So brewers, if you're feeling like you can't be aggressive fish, if you're feeling like you can get that aggressive play style down. Yeah. Mm. All right. Awesome. I was going to ask you a quick question if you don't mind. Sure. Um, are you trying to take advantage of Lucky's activation more receiving or kicking? Are you trying to build like um, like a lot of momentum as your last activation? Or are you going for a takeout there? Uh, I'm definitely working on it as a kicking. That way you get the last activation, build up momentum, probably kill a guy, but maybe not. And also you get okay. to benefit from his, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's that thing that gives him his uh, fourth influence. Because you'll get that on the kickoff, oh, but not yeah. on receiving. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, see, yeah, you get to. I think it's gain. It is uh, gain and influence. If you didn't, yep, win it is. Yeah. Uh, no, not even if you don't have He's the initiative, because it does because it, it oh, does okay. work on the first turn. Um, and it, yeah, oh, it's called stack the deck. Um, yeah, lucky is lucky's pretty awesome. I could talk about him at length, but yeah, the lucky missile. Uh, we should say the origin of that though, Chris, was my awesome, awesome <laughs> Stoker Stave uh, Esther's tech. Um, the Stoker missile, or I have no idea what it's actually called. It was called the Mike Dog. Oh, I, we, we never it's, really it's settled on it. There's so many names. It did, uh, but it was basically the idea of barreling Stoker, then legendarying on him turn one, tooling him up, and using his magical brew to stand him back up, and then charge in with uh, or walk in or whatever. And uh, uh, this is on the kickoff last activation. Um, on an enemy who Esther has, has already put on fire. So he is at plus three uh, damage. He's, uh, also, he also gets um, a bag of quaffers from Quaff. So he's at attack six, plus three damage, defense four, armor two. You can go all in the tank and give him tough skin as well. So he's armor three. Uh, he's, he starts five four inches up the board from the kickoff, then another four from the barrel. So he's eight inches and he has another... Uh, seven inch threat if you have GICs in there you can also uh, give uh, him plus two plus two from spigot spigot or uh, heroic play aura which would then put him up to um, a six nine so yeah he basically threatens everything plus three damage you know boom <laughs> 
game it's over. A, yeah, it's really over the top. But you you turn that into you turn that into an actual uh, <laughs> potentially viable strategy. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's. I haven't tested it out. I'm not going to call it viable yet. All right. But um, how about you guys? What have you guys been doing to prep for these packs? Go for it, Jared. Uh, let's go. Yeah, Jared. Um, well, you know, I mostly play on Basel, um, and I am prepping for SteamCon with my morticians, but I've been helping a couple friends of mine prep for SteamCon UK. Um, so Stephen Easton, everybody knows who he is. He's a really solid player, but he's always switching um, teams every five seconds. So uh, he, he always spars with me. We try different teams, uh, exchange ideas. And I've also been uh, playing with Tobias Harris, who's going to make uh, the trip from Australia to SteamCon to try to get that last chance qualifier, and um, he's really looking impressive with engineers. Uh, to me, he's the dark horse pick uh, to win. If he quarter. wins, if is he going to SteamCon US yeah. for the for the nap? Yeah, yeah, and I get to meet him in person, so I'm, nice. I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling that for would be, those guys come, That buddies. would be an intense trip. Um, so <laughs> going going yeah, Australia yeah, to so UK they're, and they're, then back to Australia and then back yeah. to the US like a month later. <laughs> hey, man, that guy's passionate. Like, he loves the game, and uh, I think he did this last year. He, uh, he made the trip That's to true. SteamCon UK. True, yeah. And he lost to Easton in the finals, and then Easton made it to the uh, the world championship. I think it was like the last uh, chance qualifier, and then that's when Easton took smoke, and I think ended up finishing second um, overall. Uh, whatever, I know Jordan lost mm -hmm. uh, tiebreaker crap. Yeah. Um, he won the third place, fourth gotcha. place game. Um, yeah, so yeah, they got super passionate. So if you ever get on Vassal, he's a, he's a good guy to look up. And he's got some engineer tech that I hadn't really seen before. Uh, so it's a very interesting to watch it in person. And then for me, um, you know, I'm all about morticians. I've changed my lineup a bit. I don't want to reveal too much because that's kind of the whole reason I play morticians because nobody else does. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I have uh, switched my lineup a bit. Um, I found out before that my toughest matchup was definitely Corsair, and I kind of felt like the matchup um, wasn't beneficial for me. Uh, picking what 10 models I had for uh, the tournament scene. So definitely made some changes. I'm going to stick in there with them. Um, I'm excited about maybe uh, what will happen to them in the next season or two. Not that I have any inside information or anything, but um, I'm just confident uh, when blacksmiths and farmers come out that Morticians has probably got that good control aspect. That I'm not super nervous about the whole Thresher um, blacksmith thing like some other people are. Uh, I'm more nervous about some of the things that we're dealing with now, and I'm trying to figure out ways to counter that. So Excellent. I don't know, can I give you an idea? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, the, some of the tournaments I'm excited about, it's definitely SteamCon USA. Um, I think like Bill's Veterans Day is going to be a good measuring stick for me. I'm going to play Morticians there. And if I don't play extremely well or if I get frustrated, I've also been playing a lot mm -hmm. of Union. And um, I kind of feel like I have a couple gambits that maybe even Alex Botts doesn't know about. Oh, so, look at um, that. I'm interested to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Top <laughs> secret tech. Mr. Confidence. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple things uh, he may not have considered. So uh, um, I'm definitely a fan of Vet Rage and Blackheart like him. And I do pick a similar 10 that he does. And I've learned a lot watching him play, especially uh, on stream and whatnot. Um, but I do have a couple ideas that maybe haven't been quite covered. And I do, I look more of a matchup dependent scenario. So anytime I do pick a team, I kind of look at the meta, what's popular, 
you know, like nine times out of 10, I'm probably gonna run into Corsair instead of Shark, or uh, especially based on what team I'm playing. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, that helps me a lot, is trying to figure out what captain I'm gonna go up against and then maybe figure out what kind of play style they have. Um, so to me, especially playing a control team like I do, Morticians, I kind of feel like it's best to know all the teams fairly mm -hmm. well. Yeah, otherwise, uh, kind of otherwise, honor may come and kill your captain, uh, top of two. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I tell you, yeah, your, your game woke me up to the power of honor. Because <laughs> I was fairly confident, like, um, our matchup when I got Kossin. Oh, yeah, I was feeling horrible, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I ended up killing him. And then my next activation, I'm like, well, screw it. I'll take Graves. I'm going to beat up on uh, Honor a little bit, tool up Obulus, and, you know, we're going to get shit started. <laughs> and then next thing, you know, uh, Obulus quick times marbles into, or, um, yeah, Honor, quick times yeah, yeah. marbles into Obulus, uh, Honor, and uh, deleted him uh, using the legendary. And I thought, man, she does have that momentous two on the yeah. two, and he, uh, his health isn't quite what it used to be. <laughs> And then you screaming at the top of your lungs that <laughs> I have achieved my bucket list of killing Obulus with seven influence was a little disheartening. Fair, fair. It, it felt so good, though. It felt so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of knew where he was coming from, and I totally didn't blame you for feeling that way because I've seen the look on people's faces anytime I use a. Uh, uh, Puppet Master or Misdirection or some of his legendary antics. <laughs> so uh, for you to kill him with seven influence, I'm sure it's like everybody's wet dream out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had a quick... Yeah, but I totally oh, enjoyed it. our matchup. Yeah, yeah. I had a quick question for oh, you. Uh, it sounds like your prep has been a mix of um, both like the theory crafting of it and then, you know, testing as well with actual play experience. How do you find each of those things to be helpful to you like briefly uh with like prepping i think practice is like pretty straightforward but maybe like elucidate like what's the value of thinking through the matchups and like the what people would call like theory crafting or theorying it out ver uh, versus the actual play experience the things i look at and especially for SteamCon, and um the thing that i'm probably viewing as a focal point especially where maybe I'm a little bit more well-traveled, is I know who's going to be there, and I know who I'm going to have to run into in order to have success. Uh, so when I look at somebody like Vincent, who plays Alchemist a lot, I know he's kind of transitioned to that smoke phase for maybe 90% uh, of the time. And, of course, he, he could be theory crafting as well and doing his own thing. But I know ultimately if I want to win one of these major tournaments that I'm going to run into him, you know, the Alex Bots, the Pats, uh, you know, the Mike Kleins, uh, all the guys that are probably like the top tier. So I might see some honor shenanigans again. Um, but I, I kind of view it as um, what America looks at for sure. the most part and how they feel about the meta and what I see in the tournament scenes. So, for instance, when I'm picking my morticians uh, and I'm going up against brewers, I know that you know, the more majority of the time, they're probably going to bring a, a tapper, even though I know people are experiencing a little bit with <laughs> esters. So uh, when I practice with my morticians, I may practice in the tapper three out of four times. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if I know somebody that's a good esters player, I'll ask them, hey, can you join me on Vassal? I'd love to, you know, see what you got to offer. And then 
theory craft with them a bit and you'd be surprised sometimes how much information someone's willing to give if you're just nice to them <laughs> and say oh hey you know i really enjoyed your turn one gambit where you kicked the shit out of me uh do you mind explaining it a little bit and, and believe it or not people will just spill the beans and i just take all that information in and try to tailor that towards my game and say okay well what can i do in the future if I run into that scenario again, and you'd be surprised how often that um, when you have a game uh, in person, especially at a tournament, that you'll run into that same scenario, and it's just trying to break those bad habits that you have as a player. Um, and for me, something I've been concentrating on, I don't know if it's because maybe I'm a majority of a vassal player, but I've been working on my clock. Um, and I think the clock is a tool uh, and a weapon that uh, everyone should utilize in Guild Ball. And I think that's how I've been developing my game mostly. So one thing that I've been doing in person when I do get a game in is I've been playing on 30-minute mm. clocks. Um, and it's, it puts a lot of pressure on you, and you've got to go extremely fast. And I do make more mistakes. But then when I transition to a 45-minute clock, I've got a lot more confidence. Um, it, just, it, it just seems like a buffer to me compared to what I've been utilizing recently uh, so for to me that that's probably the most useful tool that i've been doing within the last month or so is just playing on a 30 minute clock awesome i don't know if that answered your question or not i tend to ramble no, a little bit that, that's good i like that so sounds like you use the, the okay. theorying to kind of focus your practice onto like useful stuff because mm -hmm. i think um practice that's just like you know playing casual game you know, at the local gaming store with, you know, new a new player or with, like, uh, I'm just going to play a random team or I'm going to play with, you know, alternate deployment. Those things are great, and I'm not saying you can't do it, but in terms of, like, actually getting, you know, meaningful practice, you kind of want to focus on the things that you need to improve on. I mean, as with literally anything else in the world, um, I wouldn't practice, um, you know, being good at... Um, you know, getting up in the morning because I know how to do that, like, pretty reliably. Uh, but I might practice, you know, a little bit more for something related to, like, my job or, ex you know, somewhere where I could improve. Yeah. And I think uh, the key is, uh, for me personally, is um, self-awareness. Uh, like, a lot of times it's difficult to admit fault or to admit a mistake. Um, but I think everybody should realize that you're not perfect and you are gonna run into um, someone out there that probably better than you. Um, but the key is, if you can be more focused, I think you can even up the playing field. Um, so, you know, a lot of times I would like to be considered maybe um, a hard worker or somebody that practices a lot because to me, I feel like maybe if there's a skill difference, that's where you can maybe get an edge uh, to where you could pull out a win. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately it's how you perform under pressure um, in those key situations. And I think everybody could understand that, especially in a tournament scene. Over four or five rounds, you're going to have six or seven, maybe eight, nine or ten key moments that if you don't make that decision in a proper time, it's going to catch up to you. And, um, you know, people can blame the dice or whatever random events they want to blame it on. But I think it comes down to how do you perform under pressure and are you practiced enough to take advantage mm -hmm. of that? Yeah, so that's my that's my focus. <laughs> Whether that leads to success or not, we'll we, find will, out. we will. We will. We will find out. All right, yeah, excellent. So. But what about you? What <laughs> have you been uh, prepping yourself? And like, uh, uh, you got any new tools or what's sure. going on there? Uh, I have been prepping. The majority of that prepping has been like desperately. So this is a, a 
when it comes to switching teams, I I would wager without with the exception of people who play like significantly more often than me, um, and obviously have more opportunity to switch. I switch teams more than anyone else. I own every team. Um, I have played many of those teams in tournaments. Um, literally, the ones I haven't played are ones that like have uh, that get like that aren't painted or some of the models break and I don't spend time to uh to fix them but yeah so I uh I go bounce back and forth because I for me it's always about like uh it's always for me there's always it's always chasing like different play styles that I enjoy and then like I play one I'm like this is great this is strong I like this and then I'm like but wait a minute I really like what's over there too and I'm gonna go play that for this next game (laughs) uh so in the course of prepping for SteamCon and thinking of what I'm going to play in the LCQ and in all these other tournaments, I have gone through... I'm going to bring up Go Ball Scrum right now. All right, I have considered playing the Alchemists, the (laughs) Engineers, the Fishermen, the Hunters, the Masons, the Morticians, the Unions, and when I heard that Thresher may come out at uh, that, I also considered playing the Farmers briefly. Um, so basically every team except for, I actually probably even considered the Brewers like for like a quarter of a second and then realized that would be a bad idea, um, for me. Uh, and yeah, the only team I haven't considered is the Blacksmiths who, uh, while I think they're technically legal now, only have six players and may not have any more at the time. And then Butchers because they're bad. Asterisk. Yeah, I agree. Um, so tough. We can quote. We can quote. Qual- yeah. Not to. <laughs> not, we are the podcast of positivity. Uh, butchers are excellent mid-table assassins. They do really cool. I think they do fall apart at the higher uh, competitive tiers, and that is mainly because they are the most ridiculously susceptible to counterattack team in the game, um, which is a bad yeah. place to be against really uh, KG opponents who know like when to counterattack things i think their problem is is the meta the way it's developed that doesn't um, help sure you know, with certain teams ha- having so many great counterattacks. i think uh the meta and especially the range yes um gun line that everyone's been referring to i think those are hard on the butchers and i'll be honest with everybody i love butchers uh, i have a painted butchers team that look like a death metal band they got the white face <laughs> and you know, and they're covered in blood, and they look super intimidating. And I would just love to put them on the field and just look somebody in the eye and be like, "Yeah, you're gonna die." <laughs> you know, uh, but I cannot field them because I just get so frustrated. And I love the guys. I mean, they're like one of my favorite teams. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Um, once veteran it's, gutter, it's tough in this meta. Once veteran gutter comes to the butchers and has uh, two inch reach and some sort of decently accessible knockdown, they'll be in a good place. <laughs> That's that's what we're hoping for. That'll be that'll. And to go on your <laughs> point um, earlier about switching mm-hmm. teams so much, like I have that problem too. But I also look at it as an advantage. Sure. And I know I, te- I keep referring to my buddy um, Steve Easton, but he kind of does the same thing. And I think when you play these certain teams, it kind of gives you an idea of what your opponent's sure. up to. Um, so my disadvantage is, is I don't play a lot of Brewers and Masons. Mm-hmm. So anytime I run into those two teams, I kind of feel like I'm not quite as advantaged as I normally mm-hmm. would be uh, because I just haven't had that first-person experience sure. of being able to play them competitive enough that I was comfortable taking them to a tournament. Mm-hmm. And when you practice, I kind of feel like I know a lot of people want to focus on one faction, 
Um, but you know, you run into these certain models, and I think the Germans have proved that that okay, maybe there's something in the bag that we didn't quite consider, like a vet harmony or a hammer. Um, you know, that maybe they're utilizing these tools in a way that I could have if I'd have just spent a little bit more time uh, with the variety package instead of concentrating so much on mm -hmm. one guild. Um, but also, like you mentioned, I think the problem is, is people are limited on time and it's like, well, if I want to spend my time doing something, I want to spend my time doing something I enjoy. And that might not necessarily be playing uh, 9, 10, 11 factions. <laughs> yep, <laughs> you <know>? basically. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there definitely are positives and negatives to it, and uh, I, and I've I've started to focus. Um, I am about ninety six percent sure. I'm gonna pull that number out of my ass. Um, that I'm gonna be playing Masons. I've been playing them, and I've done well. I think actually since since that one random tournament that I played back at Captain Con, where I played them for fun, um, and was not taking it seriously and lost and went one in three or one in two or something like that on the day i think let me take a look at um i think i have only yeah i've only lost one game with them since that time so i went one and two and then i lost one game with masons and that was in the mason mirror against brian white who's a fantastic player um in a game that i all threw away um pretty horribly but that's okay um yeah, so I'm probably going to go with Masons. I've been playing... I play... Uh, from the errata, I picked up Hammer right away, and I was, you know, super in on Hammer. Um, and he's fantastic. I, I agree with the with the Germans on that. Um, they did take the snowflakiness away from it, though, so um, that makes me upset. I do... I do... I can say that I went back... In, like, I, if you look back on the Steamforge forums... There is some posts for me, um, like right around the time I think Granite came out, um, where I was talking about Hammer and how he still was pretty good, that Honor was probably better, but he was still good. And that was pre-Arata, uh, so uh, I'm going to claim a little bit of hipster there, too. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing a bunch of Honor games. I, uh, this past weekend, I banged out three three more Honor games um, up in Connecticut at a semi-local tournament, which was... Good, and I've been just I've been having a great time with uh, masons in general, and actually pure masons, no no guild, uh, no union, which um, is a surprise for me because I don't think I've ever really played another faction with pure guild. But I do think masons actually really want to go pure guild, uh, not for any specific reason other than the fact that they just have ten players you really want to take. Um, in fact, I'd say they yeah, probably like ten and a half players you really want to take, and sure. only one union that I'm really interested in. Although some people think differently, um, but yeah, I've been playing a bunch of Hammer and Honor. I think the one biggest thing that I've been championing, and I'll save some of my secret tech, although it's not really too secret. Uh, but Lucky, uh, just as Chris mentioned, I I've been huge on Lucky. I think he is such a like versatile player um that he is really great and i think yeah he's just he does so much um he's so he's adaptable a bunch of efficient good mm -hmm. options yep and you know and i i that's <laughs> i probably did it in not the best circumstances but i will say that i raised the stakes in every single game that i played lucky in which was so two of the three games i raised the stakes at least once um against my opponents and you know 
I won those games. I won all of them. So, uh, yeah, no, he's he's pretty fantastic, um, and he's a cool looking model as well. I think he's awesome. So my my big contribution is is bringing the lucky. Um, I think he's great for, um, and, I, and I will say that I didn't consider Vet Harmony as probably as much as I should until recently, until the German players started talking about her. I think she's also really great. Um, but Lucky was kind of my answer for the current meta and all of the uh, control options because he brings a lot of, um, I mean, he brings the condition removal, he brings the influence efficiency potential, and the... Uh, and raise the stakes, you know, is situationally a really flexible play for, um, just for anything really. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, he's been, he's been my, my secret tech. So lucky all the way. <laughs> all right. Oh, and then, so, and then, it, oh, as I say real quickly, sorry. And uh, we talked about how we've been prepping. So I've been playing Masons for me. It's been just trying to get in as many tournament games and as much like, going through the matchups in my head and feeling like I'm prepped and know what's going to be dropped in each of the matchups so that I feel comfortable. Um, Cause for me, I think if I can, I think if I can set up uh, and have a good comfortable first turn into most teams, I think then I'm in a really good place. Cause I think where I mess up very frequently in the games that I lose is and even some of the games that I win is ha- ha- like not feeling comfortable into a matchup and then doing something silly that I should know better and then having to almost play from behind. Um, I mean, I've done it a couple of times. Like, I mean, the game against Jared that we were referencing before, I put myself in a bad spot and had to play my way out of it into, like, I, I remember an Obulus game where I got him killed by Corsair top of one and had to, like, do super jank to get back into that game. So, yeah, for me, it's like being... In, being comfortable with all the matchups and what needs to be done for like for my first turn plan, so that I'm uh, I can set myself up for success. Well, sometimes I think that's key too. Sometimes you just gotta say fuck it and <laughs> change gears. You know, like if you realize that you're in trouble, sometimes you gotta pull off that jank and just say, you know, do I want to lose twelve uh, ten or do I want to try to sneak this out? I mean, who gives a damn if you lose twelve ten? It's still a loss. That's true. I mean, unless you're interested in that topic. Well, that, that's but, gone um, now. That's gone. Yeah, that's Doesn't matter. Year, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank God. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I got you. But um, I always felt that way. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, do you think we should get on to our uh, question? Yeah. All right. So, given uh, the fact that this podcast started from um, discussions on the Guild Ball Zone Discord channel, uh, also known as the GBZ Wank Dungeon, um, we decided we would have uh, on one, at least one ongoing segment, which would be um, straight from the Wank Dungeon, which is going to be our questions, topics, etc., for us to do a rapid fire discussion of, um, you know, like quick hot takes on each of these different things. So starting with that, let's, I'm going to pick some questions from our things. It will not promise that we will get to all of them. So if I don't answer your question and you're listening to this and you post on the discord channel, it means I hate. You. So, uh, take that into consideration. <laughs> so, um, Patrick Van Valza, otherwise known as the Van Value, um, asks, when do you play Harmony One? I think this was kind of a question for me. He also said, reveal all of your raise the stakes tech, uh, which I will not do. 
Um, but hot takes kind of already did that. <laughs> I said I I think I generally revealed some lucky tech. I don't know if I revealed all the raise the stake tech. I think that's been okay. it's a yeah. little it's, it's it's a little hazy there. Um, but the answer for when do you play Harmony One? I don't know if there's like a strict when. I probably have matchups where um, she is typically for me the flex player um, that if it's uh, obviously Honor. I'm playing Harmony One and Honor. Uh, for Honor, I think she's the flex spot that Lucky goes into and sometimes Tower goes into depending on what I need for that matchup. I think uh, generally for Honor, it's pretty. It's usually Honor, Marbles, Brick, Flint, Mallet uh, for me, and then the last slot is uh, is a little bit of a of a free for all, depending on what I need. So Harmony is a good general pick into most guilds. Lucky's great if you. Um, need a little bit of a hardier model who's going to also help with uh, um, control with like range control and conditions tower is great if you need to be more defensive and play into a team with a lot of tough hide and we're going to have trouble killing otherwise um, and you, you anticipate more of a scrum so that's that's my takes on that I, do you guys have any thoughts to add I don't know since you don't <laughs> you guys I, I, I played a, I played harmony I played a the kickoff six for an entire big league, but that is about the extent of my Mason's I'm, experience. The kickoff six is fantastic. It's like I would put that as my base honor lineup, and then the other models come in when necessary. So, like, right. I, Harmony is fantastic. Um, obviously, linked um, being able to spend up to 12 inf uh, influence in one activate one linked activation is fantastic um, also being able to get goal threats from like a way 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 far away is also fantastic so um, yeah she's she's good all right moving on I actually don't go for it I don't have her yeah so go, go ahead next one all right uh, Ian feet wants to know why don't we work out our topics in advance uh he obviously didn't see that this was a question and answer so he needs to learn to read um moving on <laughs> um what are union in chain picks and why go go somebody else on this okay i'm going uh hemlock morticians and also because i mean i just want to see morticians get some more toys and um yeah. Not that it's going to be the only thing that happens out of this. Uh, and then I'm also throwing some votes towards Brewer Decimate because that Mason hat is just is awful. Are you? Not, are you? It's, it's probably a great skull, but man, I do not want a fuzzy hat Decimate. Are you saying there's been enough Russian influence in the U.S. of late that we don't need another Russian, uh, clearly Russian plant? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Jared. Um, my pick's uh, Hemlock, um, just because I'm a Mortician's fan, and um, I just love the uh, the model. And I, th I think all the models are up for... Um, you know some changes so i don't think any of them are set in stone so maybe that god-awful hat would disappear <laughs> if uh, you know that model actually came through the process um and i you know i just enjoyed the whole um you know documenting my games and just kind of 
doing like a semi-match report. Um, so I've, I've found that to be really interesting. I've just enjoyed the whole nice. process. Um, for me personally, definitely uh, like the Mortician's Hemlock. Uh, I think it's cool. I think it has a really... People like were weird with the thresh, threat dress, um, thinking that like it was, I don't know, out of character, but like for Mortician... I mean, it does call a little bit of a cosset to me, but like for the Morticians, the idea of like creepy, horror-y, like person in a weird dress i don't know that makes sense to me it it fits like the fits more of the like morbid uh side of the of it like or the horror side i think it like brings out an aspect of her not fitting in but like trying to yeah yeah that's kind of (laughs) cool that is kind of cool um for the uh for decimate brewers just because it looks so much better um unfortunately even though i am a mason's player also masons are i don't even want another player in the masons right now because i can't i don't have enough room my like as it is so um yeah she can go to brewers definitely need her or could benefit from her i think it would be really cool and she looks awesome in that uh one you guys didn't mention i am on the butcher's uh vet gutter because butchers need it and also I, th- I mean i think both of them look good they're both like pretty similar but i think she could be really cool and i mean like other than union which yeah, i think they're both great yeah i mean other than union though like i don't know i always saw gutter as like a very butchery model she kills things indiscriminately and is angry so yeah <laughs> um and then yeah so that's my union and change picks excellent all right. What do you think about uh, this question? Go for uh, it. Which guild do you think is your personal worst matchup? Oh, man. That's interesting. Uh, from Alex. Go for it. Um, for me, uh, even before the shark nerf, uh, I have always had trouble with Masons. To, to this date, I have not like won a game against a Masons player who has been playing like at a competitive level so that was that's one i definitely need to uh work on somehow mm-hmm. and what about uh anything specific about them that makes it your worst matchup or no i just have no idea <laughs> how to like how i how i lose these games it just happens okay <laughs> all right okay um if i had to pick one uh, it'd be corsair sure <laughs> Uh, just due to the fact that Siren is such a strong counter to Obulus, having Beautiful and Seduced and Lore, um, I just find her to be a problem child. And um, I'm just not a fan of uh, the matchup, so it's something I've been concentrating on quite often, and I, I'm curious to see how it'll work itself nice. out. Nice, nice. You don't like someone who controls you back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not into that. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be in there charge. You go. <laughs> uh, How about um, you, <laughs> for me, I'm going to go with a, a weird answer here. For me, the worst matchup uh, is the mirror matchup, not a specific guild. So Ooh. look at that. Uh, yeah, and that is... yeah, I'm, I'm next leveling this. Uh, I think actually with Masons, it's the best <laughs> because I've had a lot of Masons on Masons games recently, and I'm actually pretty. Um, confident into it and i will not give away any of that tech but what i'll say is that almost everybody who's played masons on masons to me makes the wrong choice um for captain and team um 
In fact, I would say everybody, even the pert player who beat me in the Masons on Masons, Brian White, told me after the game that he, I made the better team selection and he was like playing from behind in that. Um, yeah, so I feel comfortable into that one. But in general, I have like notoriously hate mirror matches, um, mainly because I don't like when, especially like when I was playing engineers, I don't like when somebody has the exact game capabilities as me and like it makes you really change your gameplay style and i can't like ah, it's i don't know it's frustrating for me even if it's not necessarily like the hardest um i mean when i was playing engineers a lot like by far the hardest is definite was for engineers was definitely vet rage union um but it was it was playing into the mirror that is like the most I don't know, upsetting for me. I mean, it gives me most trouble just because my mindset wasn't great for it. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a stressful yeah. experience to try and work out how you can do better than the other person with the same tools. Yeah. All right. Mm, few more quick questions. Uh, JS asks, "What is this strictly the worst?" Uh, in reference to our podcast, and no, we're better than that. Uh, it's in their title, so that's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> Um, and let's see who is humblest Trump or the Chicago meta. Um, and I mean, like that's kind of a, I don't know. That, that's kind of a bottom I'm of the going, barrel. I'm going with Chicago here. Like, isn't a, <laughs> they, they haven't bragged that much recently. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a low bar. If you're not like daily <laughs> on Twitter. So as long as, uh, and I don't follow, uh, I don't. I'm not on Twitter too much, but as long as bots hasn't been on uh, Twitter like daily, I think they automatically. Win, so, um, and even then, it's about yeah. cardboard harvest markers. <laughs> there you go. All right, um, and then we have other questions, but I'm gonna ignore them because they will take too long and they involve me bashing other podcasts. Which, we'll, like, we'll wait one episode before we do any of that. Uh, at the very least besides strictly the worst i mean every every podcast has to bot bash strictly the worst that is uh, as we have learned like the formula for podcasts at least in the u.s so uh yeah it's a rite of passage it is you get you gotta you gotta get your your digs in at them um so any other closing thoughts guys no, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> Excellent. Great. We ran out of steam just in time. All right. With that, guys, we have been. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will, as of this time, we do not have ourselves up on the social media and whatnot, but we will be having a Facebook page, which will be, if you search Anatomical Precision Podcast on Facebook, we will also... Um, have links. This will be available via Podbean, which will eventually get onto iTunes as well. Um, and we'll have links to all the relevant social media pages uh, and email addresses and whatnot in the show notes. Uh, and for future episodes, we will also uh, briefly mention them as well. So if you do want to get in contact with us, uh, please do. We love. We would love to hear any questions, any thoughts, feedback for the cast. Um, especially with my horrible editing and some of our likely uh, technical audio technical issues that we will have. So with that, I think we've been anatomical precision and uh, have a good night, everybody. <laughs>